every once in a while, someone will come to confession and they say something that is incredibly foreign, at least to my life's experience. That is, they say, Father, I've been thinking about my confession for quite some time. And even though it's been a year, I don't have a single thing to confess. I mean, I always have a long list of things to confess. I sometimes, when I hear that, look into my soul and such a statement, and suddenly I'm a six-year-old kid saying, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Can comparatively speaking, I'm a mess. What? When the line isn't long, I grab an examination of conscience that we keep in the confessional and start naming off sins for the penitent to consider. To be clear, I'm not trying to burst anyone's immaculate bubble, but awareness of our sins and repentance from them is a vital part of the Christian life. And so we make our way, say, through the commandments, recalling the laws of God, keeping holy the Sabbath, having only one God, not other strange gods, and keeping his name holy, honoring parents, being mindful of the poor, not stealing or being jealous, and so on. And then all of a sudden, those who came professing perfection initially usually realize they're not so perfect, right? And understanding this isn't a bad thing because if we have sinned, rather if we haven't sinned, what use is it to have a savior? A savior that is from what? The story of Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well is a lesson in that forgiveness and repentance and mercy For Jesus didn't come for the righteous and the sinless. He came to call sinners to repentance. Repentance allows us to receive an outpouring of grace, the living water of which Jesus speaks. And we discover today the lengths to which Jesus will go to seek those of us who are suffering from the effects of sin so that he can restore our dignity as children of God, our peace of mind and heart, and our hope for eternal life. When Jesus was on mission, he did nothing by chance. He did nothing by accident. It wasn't a random meeting between Jesus and the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. He and the disciples arrived at the, at the well, and they're tired and sweaty, and they're done with the day. And but thankfully, they're in time to reach the well near Sychar to encounter this outcast woman, the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus sat down by the well and ordered his disciples to go into the town to buy provisions, mostly because he needed space so that he could speak heart to heart to the woman without impatient and glaring, possibly condemning eyes around him. Yes, such a, con- such a conversation would have been possible would not have been possible without a a group of sullen, scandalized disciples waiting nearby. One could ask, why would the disciples be scandalized? Because devout Jews didn't speak to subhuman Samaritans, that's why. And social protocol also cautioned men against speaking to women outside of their family. But this woman even had a third strike against her. She was a notorious sinner a village outcast. She'd been married five times and now she's living with a man that was not her husband. Ah, This explains why she went to Jacob's well to draw water in the oppressive noonday sun. At noontime, 
She could avoid the cruel stares and whispers of the village hypocrites who gathered at the well in the morning and the evening to socialize and do a little gossip and maybe a little judging while they were filling their water jars. So she avoided it altogether and went at high noon in the heat. Yes, this woman is bittered and hardened by the trials of life. She didn't need to be reminded over and over again of her sins, just like we don't want to be reminded over and over. And despite Jesus' gentle demeanor, she immediately becomes sarcastic. She challenges Jesus. You're asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink. And then another put down. You offer me living water, but you don't even have a bucket. And then another. Jacob gave us this well. well do you, are you saying that you are greater than he? What's going on here? Clearly, she's built a hard shell around her wounded heart, using sarcasm and aggressive language to hide the woundedness of her heart caused by her own sins. She's not about to put herself out there for more pain from her self-righteous neighbors and any Jew who uh, viewed Samaritans, again, as subhuman. Jesus knows her deep-seated suffering. We've all, too, known people like this woman who are unusually prickly and nasty for no obvious reason to point to. We have a sense that something is deeper is going on. That was a true blessing for me in the initial years of my priesthood. That is, every time in my mind I started judging someone about they seem so hardened and nasty, they seem to come to my way for confession, and then I would understand Ah, it's the marital problem. It's the abuse that, they've stu- uh, th- that they have sustained. It's the troubled children that they're suffering with. It's the long-standing grief that they're dealing with. They were hurting many times badly by the assaults of life. And they needed love and mercy, not judgment. So remember that when you go home in your family or in your neighborhood or at work or community. Something deeper often is going on. And Jesus sees past that very facade. He encourages uh, the Samaritan woman to simply acknowledge her sins, to get them out. He can offer her the living water of divine life. And interestingly, Jesus reveals his identity and mission to her. I am he. I am the Christ. More fully and clearly than he does to most others just like he does to many of us in our suffering. How many times are we, when we are at our worst, lost, that we come to understand Jesus Christ better? This revelation to the woman at the well, who incidentally represents the church, gives her great dignity upon the suffering woman at the well. He elevates her in the role of apostle to her village, bearing the good news of the Messiah's coming. And out of salvation for, and for salvation for Samaritans and Jews alike. Yes, as Jesus said in another passage, I have come to call the righteous to repentance. Not sin, or, or righteous to repentance, but sinners, I call them. 
It gives me great peace to know that Jesus knows the weaknesses of every human heart. Jesus knows our weaknesses, the weaknesses that we try to hide away in the darkness, that we don't want anyone to see. Perhaps they are so far down in our consciousness that we can't even bring ourselves to articulate them. Even in the sacrament of confession, which, reminder, tomorrow night is the penance service for our parish at 7 o'clock. The Lenten penance service. A little bit early because spring break is coming. I think it's next week. So mark that calendar for your family and unload those burdens in life. In every case, our Lord is ready to provide all the grace and help that we need when we simply ask him. Remember, he willingly died for us. Why do we doubt that he would help us through any crisis? That he'd bring people into our lives who will support us when we are going through difficult times? And should we fail to do the right thing, Sacramental confession is always available to us, like tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Have I said that yet? There There we come face to face with God's divine mercy. Mercy that forgives our worst sins, removes our guilt and our shame, and fills us instead with God's grace. During the third Sunday of Lent, we begin what we call the scrutinies at this Mass, for our, uh, those participating in the rite of Christian initiation, for those who will be received into the church this coming Easter. In solidarity with them, let us scrutinize our own lives, our own hearts. Let us examine and ponder how we have become weathered and bruised and tired due to our sinfulness. And during this Lenten season, let us give those sins to the Father who will take them from us and give us peace.